Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. From CSG Studios, high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody out there entangled in the interweb? CSG Podcast is back. Ross, hipster's glasses, Martin, is on the road, out on assignment, heading to New Orleans to cover the Nuggets-Pelicans game that will be live from Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, Friday, April 7th. And the king himself, the man from Thornton, Mr. Morton, Jeff Morton, also out on assignment. He's road tripping back from Houston, Texas, where he was in the house to watch the Rockets dismantle the Nuggets late in the fourth quarter of yet another frustrating but fun game. In fact, let's call Mr. Morton right now because he's got a little prize giveaway for our CSG listeners that we will be announcing next week. The trivia will be next week on that. We're getting Jeff on the line now. Yo, Morton, you are on the CSG podcast, your own podcast. Oh, my God. It's like Inception. Yes, it really is. We've gone to very, very high technology to bring this call in as you are, as I heard, driving back from Houston where you covered that Nuggets-Rockets game, but you weren't at the actual game. You were at a, at a restaurant, I heard. Well, yeah, I, uh, I wasn't, and now I'm driving back. I'm currently in Amarillo, and I'm stopped in a bathroom. So <laughs> Perfect. Sounds dangerous. <laughs> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> uh, so, uh, hey, hey, Nuggets lost last night. The Nuggets did lose, but the good news, Jeff, is uh, we do have a giveaway that we're going to announce the the details to next week on the podcast. But go ahead and tell our listeners what we will be giving away on the next Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Well, the good people at the Denver Chop House, who uh, most of you will remember was a sponsor of CSG a couple of years ago, um, to kind of you know honor the fact that uh, Rockies baseball season is starting. And you know, let's face it, the Chop House is located just right across the street from Coors Field on Nineteenth uh, and Wazee, and um, or is it Wine Coop? Well, it's one of those. Anyway, <laughs> they have decided to give us a a dinner for two is what it's called. Uh, it's a gift certificate totaling in the amount of one hundred dollars, and we will be giving that away once uh, we next week once we uh, give out the details. And you know us at CSG, we don't uh, we don't really uh, we don't go for the mind benders unless we have Tim Conley on the podcast. So very true. Uh, <laughs> So we will be we will be definitely giving that out, and uh, next week or next podcast we'll definitely be, be announcing that. And so it'll be thanks to the uh, Chop House for giving away a, uh, a nice gift certificate to to their fine establishment. If you enjoy steak or whatever, it's a great place to go, and it's a great place to go before Rockies games. So that's what we'll be doing. 
Yeah, steak or whatever. Jeff, this is I don't know how this is going to sound, so I'll, I'll just have you be brief. What did you think of that game last night against the Rockets? Um, I think at the end they played like a team that was on the second night of a back-to-back. Um, and they, they played like a team that had three of their players playing nearly 40 minutes that game. Did you, did you enjoy watching Jameer Nelson limp around the floor and turn the ball over? I did not. I did not. <laughs> and it, if it was me, um, you know you know me, Nate. If it was me, I would have had Jamal Murray start, and we would wait until Jameer Nelson was 100% healthy. I think that that was a bad move. Now they nearly won the game, so I'm not going to uh, put it on Jameer, quote-unquote. But it's not a decision I would have made, and I think that uh, – Having Jamal Murray and then uh, uh, Emmanuel Moutier back him up was kind of a good thing the Nuggets had going. And I think that kind of messed up with Mojo. So, Jeff, uh, let me ask you this. You've been pretty optimistic about the playoffs. Four games left. Do the Nuggets make the postseason? How are you feeling? Where's your confidence level? My confidence is still high because Portland without Nurkic is a terrible team. Mm. I mean, let's, let's be frank here. Portland is not a good team. And you be Frank, I'll be Sylvester. Stallone Brothers. <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, yes. We'll, we'll, I, what really, it, I, honestly, guys, it's, it's anyone who's listening to this, yes, the odds are really high against the, stacked against the Nuggets, and I honestly don't really, would not be surprised if they didn't make it. I think Portland is, still has to play Utah. They still have to play um, the San Antonio Spurs. And, they, yeah, they're all at home, but like I said, that team without Nurkic is just not the same team. They have no big man. And uh, you saw what a difference Nurkic made. And then they got went out and they lost to the Timberwolves and they lost to the uh, uh, Utah Jazz, and they have to play the Timberwolves again. So I, I honestly think that that is where we're going to see it. And if the Nuggets just are able to win three of these last four games, I think that'll be enough to get it. By the They're hair by of their chinny-chin-chins. That's right. They're in that, what's the deficit now? One game, and it's essentially two because of the tiebreakers? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think Portland will only win one of their last four games. <laughs> hey, I said you're optimistic for a reason. Jeff, will let you get out of here because, again, I don't know how this is going to sound. So if it sounds terrible and annoying, I don't want to annoy people for too long. They'll just have to put up with my voice for a little while longer. <laughs> all right, well, I'll, I got to get out of Amarillo. So. All right, that's the king, ladies and gentlemen, the king coming back to his throne in Thornton. Man, that was my uh, my first solo call-in. Pretty exciting stuff, honestly. Pretty exciting stuff, but not as exciting, like Jeff was pointing out, as this playoff race is for these Denver Nuggets. Uh, as Jeff was getting into, the Nuggets have four games left. The Blazers have four games left. Denver has two games at home and two on the road. The Blazers finish with four home games, four of them, all at home. Uh, And like Jeff was alluding to, the Blazers are on a two-game losing streak. They lost to the Timberwolves, and then they lost to the Jazz, both of those on the road. Both of those teams coming on back, the Timberwolves tonight, the Jazz on Saturday for those Blazers. So they went Wolves, Jazz, and then they'll go Wolves, Jazz, and then Spurs, Pelicans. Uh, The Spurs... You know, I mean, you hope that they can still win even if they play all bench guys. And New Orleans, New Orleans has been officially eliminated from the playoffs courtesy of the hands of the Denver Nuggets. 
just the other night. So, you know, I just saw Robin Carlin on TV at this Houston game. She used to be uh, radio and more in Denver. Now she's living in Houston doing radio, and she's sitting right behind the video replay of this Rockets-Nuggets game that I have on the background for some odd reason to torture myself. Anyways, so yeah, I mean, Blazer schedule, when you're at home, it's always a little bit easier. The Spurs, they don't really have anything to play for. They're going to be the two seed, so they'll probably be resting guys. The Pelicans, they don't have anything to play for. They're going to be resting guys. Uh, the Timberwolves, you know, they're still playing tough. Uh, they don't have anything to play for, but they're, they're still playing tough. And then, of course, you have, you know, the Jazz who, you know, they're fighting for that 4-5 home court advantage. They have to win that game, so they're going to be, you know, balls to the wall once again. So I don't know if Utah can win that game in Portland. I think they should easily be able to. I mean, they dismantled the Blazers the other night, 106-87. So there's no reason why Utah isn't going to come into that game with a dogfight. So that's one more perhaps loss. The other three, pretty nervous about. Pretty nervous about. Not as optimistic that the T-Wolves can go on the road and beat the Blazers. T-Wolves' road record, not that swell. 11-26, and 26, you know? So, oosh, it's going to be tough. It's going to be very tough. And then the Nuggets, on the flip side, the Nuggets have that stinking Pelicans team coming back in here. Um, again, they are eliminated from the playoffs. Will they want a little revenge? Will they just shut guys down? Shut guys down. Come on. Houston should have been shutting guys down in that game, you know, last night too. I understand Harden's trying to win an MVP, so, you know, he went he went bananas. But anyway, Nuggets finished the season with the Pelicans, the Thunder. Last two home games of the year, Friday and Sunday this weekend. Your last two opportunities to get to the Pepsi Center to see the Pels or the Thunder. But more importantly, to see your Nuggets. So they got two home games, two on the road. They got to go to Dallas on Tuesday, and then the season is over on Wednesday in Oklahoma City. And the Thunder, you know, Russ is still in that MVP race as well. And OKC is, you know, essentially maybe still alive for the fifth seed. So if they can put together their last few games, maybe they get that fifth seed. Maybe by the time they play Denver, they're going to be resting guys for that last game anyway they certainly won't be resting guys on Sunday as they're still in a bit of a playoff hunt themselves but you know I've gone back and forth on if I want the Nuggets to make the playoffs or miss the playoffs and I don't really know which way I'm feeling right now if they make the playoffs cool I mean it's a obviously you're in a uphill battle against the Warriors so all you're really gleaning from the playoffs hopefully is is experience and again, if Malone's going to ride hard on veterans, which he's obviously going to do if the team makes the playoffs, and that means you know, you're know, you going to get playoff experience for some young guys and, and not playoff experience for other young guys on this team. Uh, you know, would Moutier still be in the rotation? Would you know, Jamal Murray get playoff minutes? Or are we going to see Jameer Nelson for 40 minutes a night against the Warriors? who he has absolutely no chance of defending at his position, and neither Steph Curry or Klay Thompson. doesn't matter. He can't defend either guy. So, you know, I mean, what are you looking at? And then you got Gallinari, an impending free agent, who uh, had an interview that came out with Sportnado. I think the interview was with uh, Etor Messina. 
Uh, I probably butchered his name, the assistant coach with the San Antonio Spurs, that is the national team coach for Italy, uh, saying that Gallinari could possibly be late or not play for the national team this summer with obligations to his new team, or perhaps a a new contract, I should say. Um, He may not be able to fulfill his national obligation because of signing with a perhaps a different team. He said he met with Gallinari, they had dinner, and Gallo told him that's his one concern is you know, if he does opt out, he could potentially sign with a different team and would need to, you know, give them some attention before, you know, really being able to commit to Italy for a summer. So, you know, again, are the playoffs going to be, are the Nuggets going to be keeping Wilson Chandler around? You know, are you going to see heavy minutes of Jameer Nelson, of Wilson Chandler, of Daniel Gallinari, and should you just throw that out the window because they may not be on the team next season or, or do you ride with those guys and, and, you know, hope that you get this experience for Gary Harris, who's going to be, you know, arguing for some contract money this summer, Mason Plumley, who is, you know, a target of the Nuggets to re-sign this summer. Jamal Murray could get minutes. It'd be nice to see Moutier out there. I don't know if he'll get very, very many minutes at all uh, in a postseason scenario. So it, it's all going to depend too on, on Jameer Nelson's ankle. When we saw, you know, last night against the Rockets, he was <laughs> limping all over the floor. I mean, you could see him noticeably limping during the game, and you know he came back in and you know played big nuggets for or big minutes for the Nuggets. Played 32 minutes on an injured ankle, only shot three of nine, two of six from three. The Nuggets were just disastrous from three point land. Seven of 38 last night for a, a nice percentage of 18 percent. If if Denver shoots a, an average percentage on their threes last night, you know they w- they win that game. If they get anywhere near, you know, twelve makes, thirteen makes, it's a different game. M- maybe they don't win, but I feel like they probably could have. They, uh, once again, you know, another game against the Rockets where they, you know, don't don't allow the Rockets to give Denver their best shot. Like the Nuggets' defense has not been great, right? I mean. First game these teams faced, 128-110. Houston just blew them out of the arena. It wasn't even close. I was at that game. I left at halftime because I work a crazy schedule, so I had to be up early. Uh, Could not stay. Left at halftime because that game was just not even a contest. The second game, 109-105, Houston wins that one. It was, was, you know, Denver was in that game. And then, of course, the 125-124 game, the infamous Jameer Nelson air ball that... You know, James Harden took literally coast to coast. I mean, his back heel, like we talked about before, his back heel was raised, and had his heel come down, he would have stepped out of bounds. So, I mean, he literally went the entire length of the floor to deliver a game-winning layup, 125-124. That was a great game, and, and again, the Nuggets went toe-to-toe with, you know, one of the best teams in the NBA with a title-contending team. Game four last night, 110-104 Rockets. Uh, of course, Denver does not get the win Again, there is just major frustration with inbounds plays and late-game execution. And the late-game execution is not because the young guys are making mistakes. The late-game execution is Jameer Nelson turning the ball over as the inbounder on an out-of-bounds play. It's Jameer Nelson dribbling through the defense and throwing a ball out-of-bounds on the sideline with, you know, you only have one or two possessions left. You're trying to stay in the game, and you just give it away. I mean, that's just, it's frustrating to see Gallinari missing a three-pointer, Gallinari failing to inbound a ball to Jokic on the low block with Trevor Reza on him. Two possessions later, Gallo, you know, I think realizes that mistake, sees Reza on him again, 
has a bad angle on the post-entry pass and just throws a disastrous play that was just turned over. Um, you know, so you're not seeing guys like, you know, Jokic and Harris making these hard, you know, these, these bad plays. I mean, those guys are making their fair share, I guess. Don't get me wrong there. But, you know, you really don't want to see the guys that are the veterans on this team be the ones that are costing you games. And that's essentially what these guys have been doing a lot this season is these veterans have costed this team some games. And, you know, I guess it sounds like I'm going to be blaming them. I'm trying, you know, I'm not, not really blaming them. I'm just saying it's, it's frustrating when, you know, you look at it, you're like, ah, oh, the Nuggets are a young team. Of course they're going to make mistakes, but it's, you know, it's the veterans making some of those mistakes. That gets, that gets frustrating. Um, but again, you know, James Harden last night, eight of 19 from the floor, yeah, four of ten from three point land, eleven of fifteen at the free throw line. You know he did miss four of those free throws, which is pretty crazy for him. He's a pretty clutch guy at the charity stripe. But that wasn't like the it wasn't the crazy Harden game where yes he got thirty one points and ten assists, but it didn't really feel like it was. Uh, you know he wasn't absolutely unconscious from the field. You know, and and when you can get a superstar player to shoot a lower than you know. 50% or even, you know, 40 in the 30 to 40 percentile range, you're doing something right and you have a chance to win those kind of games. But uh, again, Houston has some other playmakers on that team that are, you know, really able to, I guess, just adapt with Harden's game. It's just, you know, even if Harden doesn't dominate the game, they can still win games. But uh, of course, Harden did dominate the game last night in, in many aspects, especially getting to the free throw line. Uh, I, I was going to send out a tweet last night. I thought it was kind of mean-spirited, but I thought it was funny. And everybody knows this. Scott Hastings has been harping on NBA officials probably since his playing days. And uh, I was going to tweet out last night that NBA refs have probably taken years off of Hastings' life. And, and this game last night, there was a lot of questionable calls, a lot of touch fouls, a lot of... A lot of screens. I'm just watching the game now. Clint Capella just sets a screen on Gary Harris and just essentially pushes him a little bit into Patrick Beverly. Not even enough to really affect Beverly's dribble. Um, and the refs blow the whistle on it. It's like, come on, man. Let these guys play a little bit of physical basketball. So you heard me even Malone last night griping about the officials and the altitude crew was, was kind of mentioning, you know, maybe they'll look at some things over the summer and... I mean, I don't know. I don't think it cost Denver the game, but it is annoying. I do understand that it is it is hard to watch when, you know, the whistle's blowing all night long and, you know, Denver shoots at the free throw line. You know, Houston shoots 26 of 38. They got 38 attempts. Denver 15 of 18. And I don't, I don't know if Denver played an ultra-aggressive game last night. I, I don't think Houston played an ultra-aggressive game, at least offensively. Uh, in the style they had. They were just running a lot of pick and roll and getting a lot of foul calls. But, you know, tough breaks for Denver, but, you know, that's just going to happen. <laughs> Essentially, you know, I mean, you're not going to get all the calls every night. But a couple things I have noticed recently, I want to I talk a little bit about Nikola Jokic here. Um, a couple things I, I, I've been noticing with Nikola Jokic, and I don't want to get into Jamal, Jamal Murray as well as Emmanuel Moutier. Um, with Jokic, uh, there's been some games where he's tried to, it seems like he's trying to figure out his spots, right? He's trying to figure out if he should be a facilitator or a scorer. And some nights he's trying to force that issue a little bit. I like that. I don't, I don't mind when a guy decides, especially in a season like this where, you know, you're really trying to still find your identity as a team and as a player. You, I don't think you should ever tell guys, don't take that shot. 
Uh, I don't think you should ever tell guys, you know, ways to limit their game. Let these guys try to maximize their ability and maximize their game. There was a a former Nugget player that I, you know, had some off-the-record talks with that was discussing that aspect of the NBA and how it was a difficulty of trying to fit into the role that the team sees you as when you see yourself as being able to do more and how that can be frustrating and how that can feel limiting and how that can feel like why you're struggling uh, you know, with your team and in the league is, is in general. And I can understand that, you know, so I, I like when, I like when, you know, Jokic has a matchup against Carl Anthony Towns or Porzingis or any of these young bigs, Miles Turner, um, any young bigs. I haven't totally seen it against, uh, he's done against Anthony Davis, certainly against DeMarcus Cousins. I didn't really, I haven't really seen it out of him. We saw it at a Nurkic against Marcus Gasol where he got in Gasol's face as a rookie. And we haven't really seen Jokic go at the veterans the same way he's gone at guys that are closer to his age range. Anthony Davis probably the oldest one out of that group, but again, Davis is so young, he's still, to me, and I think to everybody, considered you know a young big in his very, very early 20s. So um, I, I do like Jokic experimenting. Um, there was a stretch in last night's game where he took three three-pointers in like I think it was probably in within 15 possessions something like that and he missed all three didn't really get close and I, I feel like his his three-pointer has just been not a letdown because he's still shooting like an average he's like in maybe an maybe just below average three-point shooter this season I think he was around 34 percent something like that I thought it actually would have been worse because I test, it feels like every time he shoots it, he misses it. I feel like I don't. And last season, I felt like Jokic made it. Again, these aren't numbers. This is just watching it and kind of thinking when he releases it, is it going to go in? I I felt more confident last season when he released three-pointers. And this season when he shoots it, I'm like, ugh. And it just feels like they're not going in. Whatever that means, I don't know if it means anything. But I, I do kind of feel like when Jokic has taken some of these threes recently, that he's been a little more flat on his release and a little more leaning forward on his release. Like it looks like he's almost falling over the three point line, so to speak. Like, and last season, you could see it and you can see it even still when he makes three pointers, he's more upright and he's, he's kind of more up and down and his, he has like a higher release and he gets more rainbow when he's making those threes when it's just, and it's not, it's not totally flat, but it's just a little bit flatter. You can ju- you can just notice it on these misses. There's just something a little flatter about them. And, you know, does that come back to the fact that, you know, he's in bad... <laughs> I think he's in pretty bad condition. His condition is not excellent, I don't think. I think it could be much better. His strength obviously could be better. Those are the things that we've all been talking about he needs to work on in the offseason. And, and really, you know, for him, finding the three-point shot, if he's going to be... It's just going to be deadly once once he gets that down, and I really do think he is going to be an above average NBA three point shooter, or at least you know slightly above average. I really do think he has that kind of a shot. He's automatic from four to nine feet. Uh, his post play phenomenal. You know his passing phenomenal. His three point shooting is is probably the diciest part of his game, and it's not even bad. So I mean, it's just ridiculous to think about him as a as an offensive weapon. Um, again, defensively, a lot of plays last night where he either, you know, just got beat so bad he didn't try or just, I don't know, his defense is an absolute disaster and it doesn't seem like he 
gives two craps on that end most times. So that's that's kind of tough to see. And that's been the theme of this team, I think, all season. But I think Nikola Jokic has, has definitely asserted himself as the on-court leader of this team. And, you know, whether the team has totally bought into that, you know, this season, I, mean, I think that remains up for grabs. I think that definitely next season it's going to feel much more like Jokic's team than this season, although there is. You can kind of see that change into the guard or at least that power struggle within the team. And you, you especially notice it when he plays with Danilo Gallinari. Uh, obviously, Gallinari has been, you know, for lack of a better player, the face of this franchise for the past few years. And Gallo has obviously he's been up and down as, you know, we know he has an injury history. We know he misses a, a you know, ton of games every season. Um, but he has been the face of this team, you know, along with, you know, Ty Lawson, Iguodala, Kenneth Fareed. There hasn't been a clear-cut face, but Gallinari certainly is, you know, at least thinks of himself as the best player on this team. I can, I can, I think that's probably the case. And, you know, the, there's been some some push and pull, it looks like, on the floor between Gallinari and Jokic of, you know, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? And I, I think next season, Jokic 100% is going to win out. I don't, I don't know if Gallinari is going to be back next year, but I do think that this team is going to be heading towards a pecking order next season with the top dog being Nikola Jokic. And not to be outdone there, uh, Gary Harris. I, I'll get to get to Jamal Murray and Manuel Moutier in a second, but I'm just watching again. They're showing on TV here Gary Harris' steal against the Pelicans. Uh just an awesome play by Gary Harris. Gary Harris has been nothing short of phenomenal this season. He missed a lot of games to start with the with the leg injuries. Uh, Denver sorely missed him, sorely missed him. Uh, and, you know, him being back, he had a dominant performance against the Pelicans. He played pretty damn well against Houston as well. He was one of the most aggressive guys for the Nuggets, uh, especially late in the game when Denver was kind of struggling to get the ball to the rim. He was a guy that kept diving to the rim, was trying to drive to the rim and attack. Um, uh, Gary Harris has been a, a savior of sorts for this team. Certainly, you know, a, a bright spot and and probably the best young Nuggets guard they have at the moment. Uh, I, I think that goes without question. Um, he's taken a step back defensively. I think he's kind of probably opened his eyes to the fact that you can make a lot of money in the NBA as a scorer. And, and really, he's he does everything this team needs. Shoots threes, uh, attacks without the ball to get those incredible passes from Jokic. And he's been showing a lot more ability, I think, in, in being able to create his own shots. And I think that's the next evolution of his game that he's starting to focus on and he's starting to go for is you know, trying to create a little bit out of pick and roll, uh, just trying to create his floaters. He has these little jumpers around the free throw line that he likes. And, and of course, you know, he can certainly get to the rim and dunk it on you and he can, you know, certainly shoot threes, you know, anywhere on the floor. So Gary Harris also eligible for an extension this summer. Um, that doesn't have to get done, uh, that he can definitely go into the season without it. And then, you know, he's got the qualifying offer, uh, coming up after next season. So not a big deal if Denver doesn't get something done before the uh, October 31st deadline. I believe it is when it's going to be. Uh, if they don't get an extension done with him, not the end of the world. But I'm very curious to see what Denver does with Gary Harris as far as this contract goes. Are they going to let the market set his value or are they going to determine his value this summer? 
Um, I, I think Harris's agent, uh, we looked at a couple weeks ago. Uh, I can't remember what the comparison was on Twitter to his contract. Somebody said his numbers could look like Alan Crabb of the Blazers, uh, his contract numbers, and I thought maybe it could even look like C.J. McCollum's contract, uh, which was a max extension. Um, so I, I think Harris, his agent, easily, I mean, he's, he's going to be making somewhere in between 18 to $23 million a season for the Nuggets. I think that's what it's going to be for him. And, you know, his agent could easily argue for a max extension like McCollum got. Uh, should the Nuggets pay that? I don't, I don't think they should give him a max, but I think he's probably – you know, just below that. So I, I think if you give him somewhere around $20 million a season, I, I think that's what he's going to be looking for and what he, you know, could sign an extension for this summer. Uh, again, I, I think it would be a better move for Denver. I, I think it would be a better move for Denver to try to ink him this summer and, and get it out of the way and not go into next season. It's a bit of a gamble, right? If, if Harris has better numbers, you're going to be paying more. If he has worse numbers, you're going to be probably paying what you were going to pay if you gave him an extension the previous summer. So I think his value can only go up. I don't think it's going to go down, um, barring the significant injury, and nobody wants to see that. I'd get the extension done this summer. Jamal Murray. Jamal Murray has been playing a very interesting style the last two games. I think he's really let his personality out the last two games. I think that he has, especially against the Pelicans when he got the start, when Jameer was out of that lineup for a couple of games and, you know, Murray stepped in and, you know, his first start, very sketchy. You know, he made some mistakes. He did not look very good. And then he came out in that Pelicans game, and I thought late in that game he was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I, I thought that he really exerted his will on the game. And, you know, I think that's when he took his step. He's no longer a rookie. <laughs> I thought that that game against the Pelicans, he he just took over. I mean, he just inserted his will on that game and just said, hey, you know, I, it's I've been quiet. <laughs> I haven't spoken up a lot. I haven't been very vocal on court, but you know what? I'm going to be now. Like, this is – I." I He's starting to see it, I think. I think he's starting to feel his role and find his role. And, you know, you could see it when he got Etuan Moore. He got into it with him. Moore pushed him. Uh, Murray just got right back in his face, went right at him. It was was pretty sweet to see that, you know, kind of that nasty side. But also just before that, I mean, there was just – that's why Moore pushed him. He was frustrated by him because this rookie was kicking his ass. You know, I mean, he was was kicking the Pelicans' ass. So uh, Jamal Murray – I still, I, I still am not totally sold on, you know, what he's going to be. You know, is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Uh, I, I like the idea of him at point guard because I think Denver should be running a lot more through Nikola Jokic, and I, I like the fact that if you have Murray out there with Gary Harris, you have the absolute two best three-point shooting guards on your team on the floor. Uh, I know that you know Murray had a rough game against the Rockets. He did get to play 26 minutes, but he was only 3 of 13, 0 of 6 from 3. Uh, his shot's going to come. Just like we saw with Gary Harris as a rookie, you get sporadic minutes, you don't really find your role. You don't really know what your role is. You're not very comfortable. It's the next few seasons that you really start to see those guys' shot progress and shoot up. And, and I really do think that you know Murray's 
going to be a phenomenal player for these Nuggets, especially next season when you know he could very well be battling and should be battling for a starting role on this team, even if they bring Jameer Nelson back. Jameer is under contract next season. Uh, if it's him, Moutier, and Murray again, uh, I think that you know Jamal Murray definitely has an opportunity to start, and I think Malone will give him that chance and give him that opportunity. Um, but to see him kind of break that rookie mold and, and just – insert his will on the game and his personality. I thought that was a huge sign and a huge positive. Uh, and, and his game again, I mean, he had a, a key block late in that Rockets game. I think he got Beverly driving to the rim. Um, his defense, a lot of people still questioning it. I, I think he's a very willing and able defender. It's just he needs to, you know, maybe find out a little bit more from the just the mental aspect of it, and he'll he'll come around a little bit, uh, I think, defensively, um, mentally. Uh, that's kind of where he gets into. He has the energy, he has the athleticism, he has the quickness, he has all, he has the tools, he has the willingness. And, and once he learns more about this game and some tricks of the trade, you know, he's going to be he's going to be a, a pretty damn deadly player on both ends. But I think he's going to be better defensively than a lot of people give him credit for. Uh, Emmanuel Moutier. Emmanuel Moutier came in. You know, he's he's basically been left for dead. He was only one of five last night. Oh, of three from three point land. Uh, Jeff mentioned it on the on the call. You know, the Nuggets had something rolling when they had uh, Murray starting and Moutier, the Moomoo boys. Uh, when they had when they had him starting and Moutier coming off the bench as the backup, they found a little something there. They unlocked a little bit of something. I mean, it wasn't this insane performance, but it kind of was as well. The fourth quarter of that Pelicans game, Moutier and Murray had a, a few minutes where they were just taking turns scoring buckets and making plays, and it was like, this is you know what you envision for Moutier. And for him to be left for dead by the team after you know Jameer Nelson gets the nod as the starting point guard and Jamal Murray usurps that job as the, as the backup, you know, Moutier never quite gets back after injury. Um I also don't think it's a bad thing. I, I think that Denver, and we talked about the trade deadline. I thought Moutier was a, a candidate to be traded. And, you know, seeing his last couple of games and hearing Malone talk about him, it, Malone hasn't given up on him. And I, I don't think anybody should give up on him as a, as a Nuggets player. Uh, and I'm just watching uh, Jamal Murray made a nice steal on defense. Um don't give up on Moutier yet is what I'm saying. From the Nuggets' perspective, I, I think that this kid, you know, maybe he's got a ways to go. Maybe he needs a little bit of that ego check that he's received by being benched in favor of a rookie and a, and a you know, <laughs> a dinosaur in, in Jameer Nelson. You know, I mean, Jameer's 35 years old, uh, whatever he is, 35, 36, 34, whatever. Um to lose your job to a, a veteran like that that's in the twilight of his career and to a rookie should be very humbling for Moutier, who I, I don't think worked on the right things this summer. I, I don't think that he um, really prepared last summer. I think it's going to be vital this summer for him to figure out what's going to make him successful and, and start to realize, you know, hey, I don't need to score to be effective. I, I can play defense and be a distributor, you know, I, Jokic hasn't gotten all of this limelight because of his scoring ability. I mean, it's there, but really what he's known for is the passes. And that's what Moutier was as a rookie. He was this guy with great vision that could drive to the rim and throw these kickouts, 
you know, at very odd angles because of the arm strength and the contortion that he's able to do with his body. And once he realizes that that's how he can make money in the NBA is, you know, being a defender, which is kind of scary because he's a really bad defender. But, you know, if you can try to carve out a role on defense, be a distributor, be a scorer, you know, when you need to be, but don't have that be the highlight of your game. It's it's not going to be the highlight of his game if he's going to be a very successful player in this league. And I think you can be, you know, uh, I don't, I've never thought that being a backup player is a bad job in the NBA. I understand for a lot of people it's going to take a number of years to get that maybe disappointment, if you will. I mean, when you come into the league and have a sneaker deal and have this fame and this backing, and then, you know, you're again, essentially benched by your team a, a year later, it's, it's humbling. It should be. And it, and it should make Moutier reflect on things this summer and say, Hey, I need to come back as a different player. I need to figure out what this team wants of me, what they need and where I can carve out a role in this offense and on this team. And Honestly, I'm telling you, man, if he figures out defense and passing, it's going to go a long ways because defense is sorely what this team needs with Nikola Jokic anchoring the defense as a non-protecting, as a, eh, maybe not non, as a not great, (laughs) as a uh, below average rim protecting big in Jokic. I mean, if you're going to try to dunk on Jokic, he'll probably let you have it. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, He's not going to, so if you get those, if you get that guard play going, you're going to go a long way towards really helping this team out. You solidify your perimeter defense and maybe you're going to find something. And I got to give credit to Malone too. I've been, you know, very hard on Malone this season. I think he's, you know, no matter how this year finishes out, I think he's had a very, uh, I think he's had a below average season for a head coach. I think he's been a very bad uh, in-game head coach this season as far as rotations, as far as end-of-game strategy, uh, I still just look at that Memphis game from earlier in the season. You pull Nikola Jokic out of the game for Jameer Nelson. You put Kenneth Fareed on Marcus Saul, and you throw and you allow an under the hoop alley oop to win the game because you subbed out your seven footer for a six footer for no reason. <laughs> I mean, you know, and that's kind of been how Malone's season has gone. He's he's had a rough one. I don't think Malone is. You know, I don't. I don't think he's. You know, there's been talk of should they get rid of Malone. I'm not sure what kind of head coach he is yet, and I think he's still a young head coach. As you know, as been has been pointed out to me, we have to give him credit, and I realize this, and I know this too, is you have to give Malone credit for a culture change, for you know being able to allow this team to have this kind of offense. I don't know how much he's had to do with this offense. I, you know, <laughs> I think it's been very begrudgingly. <laughs> they've become an offensive team. We saw Malone give an interview in Sacramento where he's like, I got fired here for not being offensive enough. And now look at me. I got the best offense in the NBA. And it's like, dude, come on. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You can't take credit for this Nuggets offense. You just can't. You can't do it. You allowed Nikola Jokic to bench himself. And then you're kicking yourself months later saying, I wish I would have gone to him sooner. Well, dude, you don't have anyone to blame for that but yourself. Like, it's your fault. You saw what Jokic did last season. Everyone did. So, come on, dude. I mean, you know, don't go out there taking credit for everything when you damn well know you don't deserve that kind of credit for everything. <laughs> I don't know. I've been hard on Malone, but I think he can grow. Uh, I think he does have some, some you know, really good qualities about him. Um, 
I love last night after the game. I, I expected to see Mad Malone that was like, you know, we didn't do what we needed to do to win that game. And I think that, you know, he did a good job of, I think, taking a little bit of blame and uh, saying his team played commendable for a team that was on the road for 10 freaking days in a row at the end of the season in a playoff race needing to win every single game. They didn't come out and lay an egg against the Rockets. You know, they played them tough. They came back in that game. They surged back. They almost won that game. They were in it at the end. You know, I don't know if they almost won it, but they were definitely in it at the end and and made it a fourth quarter execution game. And really, that's all you can ask at this point in time when you're, you know, the Nuggets trying to fight to get into the playoffs is the eighth seed is you want to see a team that's, you know, and in this situation, the Nuggets are just below 500. But were they better than that? Had they'd done things that they needed to do early in this season. I, I, you know, it's, it's an interesting one. If you could go back and replay this Nuggets season with the roster, how it is right now, what would their record be? You know, and that's not how you can ever look at the NBA really, because even next season we can say, well, we'll find out next season. Uh, you're going to have a different team next season. You know, I don't know how many faces will be different, but there could be a lot. And just think about it. You got, is Jimmy Nelson going to be here? So, Jameer Nelson, uh, teams are probably going to keep calling about Will Barton. Denver has to decide at some point if they want to, you know, eventually pay Barton to be a part of this young core or if they want to max out on his trade value and deal him while he's a hot commodity. Yes, he's not making a lot, but you, there's no reason you couldn't package him with, say, Darrell Arthur, who's making, you know, $7.5 million, and now you're up to $10 million. What does that get you? You know, what if you throw Kenneth Reed into that deal? That's $20 million. What does that get you? You know, so there's definitely some combos on here that Denver's going to have to think about. There's definitely some guys that they need to think about. Jameer Nelson, like we said, Will Barton, Daniil Gallinari, unrestricted free agent, Wilson Chandler may or may not ask for a trade this summer. The Nuggets, you know, there could have been talk at the deadline of we're going to trade Wilson, but we need him. Wilson, you know, we can't trade you. We're trying to make the playoffs. We can look at something this summer, you know, or I don't know. What if Danilo Gallinari leaves as a free agent and then all of a sudden you have a a need for a starting small forward who's guaranteed to start and who's guaranteed to play big minutes and who plays really damn well with Nikola Jokic? That's Wilson Chandler. You know, could you... Uh, there's a lot of us asking, you know, has the damage already been done between behind the scenes between Chandler and the Nuggets? You know, what's going on there? Uh, what, how's that going to play out? And, you know, does the team want him back and does he want to come back? That'll get sorted out this summer. I I believe that well. Even though he's got a year left under contract, I think that gets sorted out this summer. Kenneth Fareed, you know, he's been phenomenal next to Nikola Jokic. You got to probably bring him back, right? I don't know. So, well, a lot more questions for these Nuggets as as this summer approaches. And that's kind of how it is every offseason. I think we say that every offseason, you know, because you expect the team to do a bunch of wild stuff and especially the nuggets you know they've obviously been talked about as this team that has all these different players that could you know be coveted by other teams and you know i I do think that you're gonna see you're gonna see some sense of direction will barton said it best after a a game recently in the locker room after a very tough loss Uh, i think it was after that portland game you know in, in the i call it the rose garden moda center whatever but you know, you really saw it there where he said, you know, this team from the top down, from ownership down, has to decide who we want to be and what our identity is going to be. And and that's really what, you know, this team has been building towards. 
and that's 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 what this season was about was finding out that you know yes you have a, a franchise guy in Jokic maybe you have that same franchise type guys in you know in Gary Harris and in Jamal Murray you know honestly Gary Harris is I think with his play this season has really elevated himself as to you know a very important piece of this core and we thought that Jamal Murray coming in was easily going to you know take that shooting guard job away from Harris at least that was you know what some people thought uh, i gave harris much more credit than that i think he's a a very good starting guard in this league and has proved it this season and it's it's made me you know happy for him to see him play uh you know this way this season i i think he's been Nothing short of phenomenal for this team. Jamal Murray, incredible promise. Nikola Jokic, incredible promise. Emmanuel Moutier, still a question mark. Mason Plumley, if he's you know re-signed again, looking around the league, there's some teams that might be able to offer something crazy. But I think Plumley's gonna you know, I don't know if he wants to come back to Denver and resign himself to being a backup at age 26. You know he'll be 27 coming up, but you know does he see himself as a backup? You know, and I don't think the Nuggets should give him any assurances of, hey, you're we're going to play you at power forward because then you're kind of screwed because you still have to then find another center unless you can really stagger that rotation around, which I don't know if you should be trying to do that all the time of trying to mix and match and get away with playing Farid at center and yada, yada, yada. You know, I, I don't I don't like that plan at all. Um, oh, I got a sneeze coming on. Kind of disappeared on me there. hate that. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's that's you know what do you do with Plumlee? What, what's a fair contract? Uh, we'll find that out. I, I, I there's some people that have speculated he could be getting north of you know 18 million plus, and I don't see that, especially with the way he's come in here and played. You know, I think that there's definitely some flaws and some exposed flaws in his game, and I don't know if there's going to be a huge market for a team to go out there and want to hand Mason Plumlee a fat contract. So Denver may get a little bit lucky on that side of things because I do think he could be a quality backup center. And I do think the Nuggets, uh, I tweeted this last night, if they bring him back into the fold, they need to figure out what he's really good at and the players need to figure out how to play with him and what he needs to do to be successful because he's looked basically uncomfortable for large stretches you know, of of games, and he's not being used the way he was used in Portland as a guy that really, you know, was kind of a, a Jokic light as, as he was, you know, somewhat described by some, you know. So can he be that kind of guy? You know, I, I think he can. I think that if Denver, you know, I think this offseason is going to be important for Plumlee if he comes back in the sense that they're going to be able to build a little bit more around him. He's going to get the, you know, he had this handful of games. He's going to have this summer. um Another big thing with these young guys, uh, this was huge when Masai Ujiri first got to Denver of guys sticking around and staying here. And, you know, I I feel like if Denver had a state-of-the-art practice facility, it would give guys like Emmanuel Moutier more incentive to stick around the city and to really work and develop their games here. There's a it's a tiny gym. Yes, you you can go anywhere here and, and get a workout in, right? I mean, Steve Hess, <laughs> God bless the guy. He's got connections in this city with gyms. I'm sure of it. I'm sure he, Steve Hess can walk you into any gym and, and, and really, you know, you can go work out. But at the same time, I don't know if, if Forza Fitness is still around, if Hess still has a piece of that. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, but 
again, <laughs> when you look at these college campuses and you see these, you know, weightlifting facilities, and I'm sure if you went to Dove Valley, I'm sure you'd be blown away by their training facilities. And when you go to the Nuggets training facilities, it's, um, you know, it's one court that's basically the size of a, of a high school gym. And the weight room is like a little shoebox that sits off to the side of the court. I mean, it's behind a wall, but it's literally just a, it's the length of the court, but it's only maybe a fourth of the size deep, something like that. So yeah, I just, I just really feel like if, if Denver had dumped more money into a practice facility and, and built something, you know, I mean, when are you going to build it? When Jokic is a 10 year veteran, build that thing. Now you got guys on this team that are in dire need of, you know, working on their game, especially young guys. That should have been part of this this rebuild with the Nuggets was, you know, a practice facility. Kroenke owns freaking Denver <laughs> or most of the U.S. maybe. I mean, come on, man. This guy bought a ranch, uh, the largest ranch in the U.S. I mean, it's He's a billionaire. Put some money into this team. Put the Give these guys a practice facility that they need and that they deserve, you know. I mean, put your money where your mouth is. You're going to own all these teams. Invest in them. Don't have your, all of your teams be laughing stocks. The L.A. Rams, laughing stock. Avalanche, laughing stock. The Nuggets, despite ownership, working their way out of being a laughing stock, in my opinion. You know, Arsenal, I, I've gotten emails over the years from people upset with that Kroenke bought the team because he's, you know, sold off a lot of their good players and this and that. And I don't follow, you know, I don't, I don't follow soccer. I don't know how they're doing now, but uh, I would almost guarantee that they're not, you know, one of the top teams with the top salaries in, in whatever league they're in, the Premier League or whatever. Um, how's that for some ignorant soccer talk? I was thinking earlier, I was listening to a podcast with, uh, I believe it was Brian Winhurst and Zach Lowe, and Winhurst was talking about getting into soccer and was giving some details. And I got into the World Cup a few years back, and he was talking about giving up the NFL for the Premier League. And I was like, man, that sounds kind of fun, but I don't really have time for a second sport. If I was going to give a second sport more attention, I think it would be the Rockies. I did watch opening day, and it was pretty fun. So, hey, I liked opening day. What can you say? What can you say? It was good. They won. It was fun. Um, Yeah. Like I said, we all expect big things this summer. Will we get big things? I don't know. Will we get the playoffs? We don't even know that yet, and there's only four games left this season. So it's been a, a roller coaster of a season, right? I mean, we've all felt it, the ups and downs, the frustrations, the excitement, the unbelievable moments, the unbelievably bad moments. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a, a yet another crazy NBA season. Um, something I wanted to, to point out, though, that was kind of cool. Um, Jeff Morton, myself, and Adam Marez recorded a pickaxe podcast before the season and gave out a bunch of predictions. I kind of went back through just to look at some, um, just for fun. And before the season, home wins. We were debating home wins. Uh, I had the Nuggets around 500 at home. Adam thought they could get to 26 wins. Jeff had them down for 25 wins. They're currently 23 and 18 at home. So they have an opportunity with two home games left. Wait, are they 23 and 18? No, I'm sorry. 21 and 18 at home right now. Scratch that. Nuggets are 21 and 18. The Nuggets are 21 and 18 at home right now with two home games left. So they could get to 23 home wins, but they're guaranteed an above 500 record at home. So 
you know, t- take that for what you will, but that's okay. Uh, on the road, I thought they've been actually pretty good on the road this year, 16 and 23. Yes, that's under 500 by, you know, a handful of games, but geez, it's, it's certainly not down in that, you know, 10, 11, 12 range when you're, at, you know, hovering close to 500. Now you're getting into those, those George Carl teams, right? You just want to be around 500 on the road and you want to, you know, be phenomenal at home. Well, you know, Denver's kind of, you know, closer to 500 at home or above 500, obviously, but, you know, above that threshold at home, below that threshold on the road, which it's almost always going to be like that. But, you know, you get that, you keep racking up those road wins. I mean, that's when you start figuring out what kind of mentally tough team you have. And for this team to win 16 games, you know, with two left, maybe they can get to 18 road wins on the season. Uh, I think that that would be progress. Um, and again, next season, you know, these young guys are going to have to take a lot of these lessons in, into the offseason. Uh, but overall records as well, Adam asked us on overall records. The Nuggets currently are 37-41. and 41. Uh, One more loss, and they will be under 500 for the season. So if they go 4-0, and they do have a possibility of finishing at 500. Um, totals on the season, I guess they'd be 42-40. and 40. Jeff had them at either 39 or 40 wins. And Adam had them at 38 and 42. Uh, looks like Adam and Jeff right on the nose. Kudos to those guys for for nailing the Nuggets record this season. Um, you know, I, I think at least at least they get to 38 wins. They can easily get to 39. They can hit 40. They can certainly hit 41. So we'll see how these last four play out for the Nuggets. If they get into the playoffs or not. If they get that matchup against Kevin Garnett and the Golden State Warriors. Garnett coming back soon. Recorded a podcast with Bill Simmons. Talked about that injury. Um, another thing, Brian Winhurst has a book out about the Cavaliers title run last season. If you're an aspiring writer or podcaster or want to work in basketball, you should be finding out when these books come out that are written by reporters that have great inside knowledge and credibility and reading these things. I mean, they are phenomenal. Breaks of the Game by David Halberstam, incredible book. Anything by Jack McCollum. He has a Celtics book. He has a Phoenix Sun, Seven Seconds or Less. Incredible. This Cavaliers book, When Horse Was On with Zach Lowe, discussing the details of it, some of the stories. It's you know, You're going to get stories about how LeBron got to Cleveland, all sorts of back-channel stories about how that team was put together, how that title run came about. Uh, phenomenal stuff. I'm definitely going to buy that and read it. I think it's called The Return of the King, something like that. So be on the lookout. You can pre-order it on uh, Amazon. I think it comes out April 11th, so just a few days away. Man, I can't believe this season's almost over. It's been uh, It's been crazy. I felt a lot of frustration. I know Jeff has been uh, championing people's emotions. He's, he loves that people are emotional about this team because he thinks it shows that people are invested with this team now, you know, and it would suck if the Nuggets don't make the playoffs and we're, I mean, we're holding on to scraps at the moment, but sometimes, you know, that's all you can hang on to. And if the Nuggets get in, I think there's going to be a level of excitement there for this team to pull off a uh, an upset of sorts to climb back into a playoff race after, I mean, come on, who are we kidding? The Blazers won that game. They won the right to be in the playoffs. Nurkic goes out with a broken leg. Um, sucks for him, by the way. He had the patella tendon injury in his knee that you know took him a long time to rehab and get back from. That's a major injury. Now he has the broken leg. Uh, I believe it's in his other leg. So, you know, disappointing for him, I'm sure, as he was taking Portland by freaking storm, man. I mean, he really was. He was a god up there. So if he can make it back for the playoffs, 
I'm sure that uh, they'll go apeshit for him at the Moda Center, especially because the first two games of that series would be in Golden State. But I'm telling you, if the Nuggets get into the playoffs, it's going to be pretty electric at Pepsi Center as well. Um, my guy Basketball Jones on Twitter, um, a Warriors transplant fan that has adopted the Nuggets as his second team, is also hoping the Nuggets make the playoffs so that he can attend uh, his beloved Warriors and his uh, adopted Nuggets playoff series. That would be a blast. Um, I, I've never really had an outside team. I guess when Jordan used to come here at the Bulls, it was badass to go to see those games. But obviously, we never got a Nuggets uh, Bulls finals. I don't even know when the Nuggets, 93-94, would they have played the Bulls? Or was that Rockets? I think that was Rockets, 94-95, right? So I don't think they would have even faced Jordan then had they miraculously pulled off Game 7 against the Jazz after pulling off Game 5 against the Sonics. So anyway, they would have had to win another series uh, in order to go to the finals. But I think it was pointed out, I think Jeff has talked about this, that the Nuggets played Houston very well that season, I think. Maybe it was the opposite. Maybe they didn't play them well. Uh, We'll find out next week on that. And we will be back with the King of Thornton to do the giveaway for our Denver Chop House gift card 100 bucks to the chop house i can get you a, a tasty steak they got some delicious sandwiches hell you should go to the chop house for breakfast they got a phenomenal breakfast and if you're into those bloody marys and mimosas they serve those guys up too uh, i i was definitely a client of theirs a customer if you will back in my early 20s when i lived downtown uh great stuff though we'll be back next week to give that away full details on how to win tune in next week to find that out we'll see you guys next week we love you car out sports guys we're out For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Grainger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Grainger. For the ones who get it done.